0: This is episode 22 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. up in this episode, Changing of the Guards, What's Happening
1: to Fast Fashion, Growth Amid the Apocalypse, and more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello everyone, and welcome to
0: another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and I'm always joined by Jose Chan. How you doing, Jose? Well, thanks. Cool. So we've got got some cool topics to go through here. We are going to talk a little bit about um, the world of fashion and... What's going on? Uh, the title of this episode is appropriately, I guess, The Sky's Falling. And I guess people could say that the sky's falling in general for retail. But it seems like fashion, whether it's fast fashion or not,
1: is kind of leading the charge, isn't it? Yeah. I think uh, that that's where we're seeing a lot of, I mean, agreed, a, a lot of the change taking place right now.
0: Especially in the case like we have in retail where the way people buy things and their habits and the complexities of supply chains now and all of that stuff is definitely throwing a wrench into the mix um, when it comes to the success or failure of stores. You know, and I think um, this this first topic that we're gonna hit up here directly, uh, right right you know right in the line of sight there is uh, the fashion brands, and you know we're seeing this this essentially this this retail apocalypse that everyone's talking about. I think it's a little dramatic, but Um, at least I thought it was really dramatic until recent months. And, uh, when you see all of these, of these retailers, like the ones we've, we've known in the past to be very safe in a way, you know,
1: it's a reset in the sense that if you think about, let's think about something we said, uh, a few podcasts ago it may have been last podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, we talked, uh, about how much, uh, malls there was an overcapacity problem, right? And so I think that this is what we're seeing now as consumer tastes change. Um, and especially in fashion, they change quite quickly. Uh, so are the, let's say, ways that we shop. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reset.
0: Yeah. And it's it's going to be, um, we called this segment changing of the guards because it's it really is. There's going to be a, you know, every every, maybe, what is it? Every 10 years, do you think? Or is it longer than that? Do you think there's larger chunks of? of stability where you know um, a set of retailers or a type of retail, I guess you could say, takes over and stays?
1: That's a really good question, you know? Todd. I would probably say as I'm thinking out loud here, it's probably generational, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think of, it's just consumer, there's a couple of things that are happening at the same time. Along with consumer habit changes, you also have um, technological changes right? Which, yep. which have facilitated the, the change in consumer habits. Given this, the last time we probably saw anything probably as radical as this was maybe with the baby boomers back in the 60s and 70s in yep. terms of fashion.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it is. A, I guess it is longer chunks. And so that means that um, the drama and the, the impact of these changes is even more intense in the times when it is in flux. Um, it, right? It, yeah exactly
1: and I, and I remember like in between then then you'll have other factors right that, that'll just kind of uh, occur if you will so in the late 80s um, a lot of people won't remember but in the late 80s there was a Canadian um, that was acquiring a lot of brands, Campo and so what it was an era of consolidation mm-hmm. and then that fell apart <laughs> and then it was. It's if you go back into the history books, it, it was an interesting case study of how you buy a lot of retailers, but then not make it work, and it didn't work. Uh, I think financially it fell apart. So I'm going back to the late eighties, early nineties, uh, which is the big story then of consolidation, and so now it's not. We're beyond consolidation. We're right now in in closure mode for because again, it's the overcapacity problem that you can only do grow so much.
0: There does seem to be less news about potential buyouts or, you know, holding companies, purchasing more brands. It doesn't seem to be happening much at all. And when it does happen, it's because that brand is is having some real problems.
1: Exactly. And, and I think, look, a lot of times, remember, how do we grow businesses? We grow businesses with the same customers we have. Or we evolve um, and have new customers funnel through and we stay pretty much with the same offerings and customers coming in and out. Or another way to expand is potential, that's organic growth. Another way to expand is uh, acquisition, uh, right? Which essentially is what consolidation is. Or a third way, if you will, would be international expansion. And so I think uh, the first two have been exhausted. Uh, The third, um, mixed results. And now it's just a function of, okay, at least in the domestic market, um, as we're Brands may be expanding internationally in some cases. Let's um, regroup and reset. So concretely, if you think about what you're saying, Todd, like Payless, who would ever think that Payless would file Payless Shoes, file Chapter 11 and close 1,000 stores, right? Immediately closing 400 of these 1,000 stores in the U.S.,
0: I don't know. And, 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 you know, and I'm looking at some of these in the list, <clears throat> including um, Abercrombie and Fitch. I mean, they, then again, I, I got to say there's some of these that do stick out as, OK, <laughs> it's about time they've been working on a they've been working on a refresh or renewal, brand renewal <laughs> or whatever you want to call it for a long time. You know, um, Abercrombie has been working on reinventing themselves for years now. Uh, you know, it it went from their stores being like dance clubs to uh, mellowing out a bit and then trying to attract a little bit of a different audience and trying to, you know, stay within a certain style, but not limit themselves to just, you know, 16 uh, year olds or 15 year olds. So they've got a, they've got a challenge on their hands. And, um, and I think they admit it when you see from a lot of these CEOs recognizing that, and it's interesting. They're they're all saying very similar things. You know, if you look at some of the the quotes, and we'll put some of these in the show notes, and it, it's very interesting looking at some of these these comments. But there's only so much you could say, I guess, as CEO, when you're trying to resurrect a brand or when you're trying to justify why, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 stores are closing over the next six months. And the few things they can say are, you know, let's blame it on... And these are all legit, but there are a commonality between all these that we're seeing here. Let's blame it on uh, too much promotional and markdown activity, right? And that limits margins right there. So excessive amounts of that will put you under. In addition, brand renewal, you know, meaning that we're going to go through and um, spend some money on renewing our brand, invest in different you know, different styles, different store types, things like that all cost money. And that all leads us to inventory, right? So meaning that inventory hanging on to support all these activities and um, just in general, perhaps I don't want to say poorly managing inventory. Maybe the inventory is building up because what they're creating or what they're purchasing isn't selling, um, right? I mean, that's the basic idea. But how long can that go on before... um? before a store becomes like all these in this list here, whether it becomes like an American apparel or a a Sears or something like that, how long can they make those mistakes um, before they adapt? Right.
1: Exactly. I mean, you have to think of it this way. Who's minding the store. And to your point, sure. These are all valid reasons, but uh, look, public companies, and that's mostly what we're talking about, right? Or public, large public companies. Uh, The CEO is pretty much handcuffed to the quarterly results. And I think retailers, not maybe not a particular CEO, but the industry overall has created this model of discounting. Oh, I'll give you a discount and you buy, right? That Once you're given that benefit as a consumer, there's no going back. You're never going to buy full price again. The only reason that you would buy full price is if it's something that you really do need, right? And if we're talking about fashion here, do you really need fashion? Not really. So... Given this, creating this what we call artificial obsolescence, or th- this need to buy things that you really don't need, yeah. then you'll only buy it at a discount, right? If it were like milk, uh, and then you need milk, uh, then you have inelastic demand, right? Whatever price goes up, then you you purchase it, right? If you go back to basic economics classes, and here, it, it's this is this demand. <laughs> is essentially based on qualitative tastes that they're trying to kind of um, appeal to, right? Like Abercrombie or the Limited, right? The Limited had his heyday in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. And they changed, but uh, apparently not enough. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the predicament. that they're in. So a lot of it is changing consumer taste means many things, uh, but it could just mean the way a brand is perceived, right? If you're perceived... Um, and I think we were talking about this. If you and I once wore Abercrombie, uh, we're at the life stage where we probably wouldn't wear Abercrombie, right? It, right. It's just mentally, you can't go back in time. Uh, we'll, <coughs> we'll wear other things. We'll wear Banana. Uh, we'll wear J. Crew, but not Abercrombie. That that just mentally. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I guess you could, if if you want to be very concrete, you could probably take an Abercrombie polo, put it next to a J. Crew polo, and uh, if it has a moose, we just probably wouldn't wear it <laughs> right
0: <laughs> yeah no it's it's very true um <clears throat> I'll have to ask my uh my ten year old daughter this but she uh yeah she's she's a big fan of all those things and you're talking about um how demand is doesn't af- you know pricing doesn't affect demand and you know, obviously to her it's 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 <laughs> she ab- she ne- she needs the uh you know the clothes like she like i would need gasoline for my for my car so um it is yeah there's a there is a certain and that's this is the thing this is the thing i think we're we're seeing here and especially with uh with fashion in general but also with fast fashion and um have catering to a a limited i guess a limited audience meaning that um you know a target audience for uh a certain retailer might be between the ages of places like uh, justice for example between the ages Mm of 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 eight and twelve um that's you know that's my daughter's phase right now and and justice is going to have a recycled audience right and not a recycled audience a new audience that kind of is like a revolving door that just keeps rotating around a new set of uh, customers that keeps rotating around but the thing is is that if if fast fashion this goes into our next topic a little bit here is if fast fashion is you know they're offering what people want which is discounted items which is higher maybe not high quality but Decent quality, trendy, discounted items. Um, why aren't they all just crushing it? You know, like what in your in your mind, I guess. What are we seeing? You know, what are we seeing with these retailers where there may be uh, they're maybe referencing, they referencing over discounts in a way, too much dis- too many discounts, too many um, too much inventory stacking up, I mean, what's happening here?
1: Well, it's what we, we say, right, all the time, which yeah. is the paradox of choice. Sometimes you have too many choices. And if you think of what what's available, oh, my God, you could walk into any of the retailers uh, that, that we've talked about thus far. It's confusing, right? If you want, anything that you don't want generally is always there, but what you need is usually not there. So if there's a favorite, let's say – Let's take a simple example for us. Right. Let's say that we're looking for our favorite pair of pants or whatever brand, XYZ brand. Um, the style may have changed, right? Uh, and it doesn't fit the same way, so we won't buy it. But then they'll offer us all these other pants and all these other varieties uh, that we really don't want because it's not what we're in the store for. And this is part of what, what the problem is because mm-hmm. if we have an industry predicated on change – Right, which is what it's always about, then that's a problem. And we have to look look at the economics. The economics are, there are low barriers to entry into, let's say, fashion, meaning that you don't need, you can't patent or trademark clothes, right? There's certain brands that you might be able because they've been around for so long, you have a trademark on something, but you're, you're not, you know, patenting or trademarking designs. So the only differentiator is to make yourself different. And if you're different, you're commanding a premium. If you're not different, what are you really doing? Then you're competing on price. And once you get into the price war, the biggest ones are the ones that are going to be able to survive. It's the biggest ones and the most efficient ones, which is, I think, part of what we're seeing.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have an example. uh, We have an example that really hits uh, the nail on the head here. I mean, I'm guessing this this is the one that we should point out as H&M, right? I mean, do you think that, that H&M situation, meaning that they're, <clears throat> we were earlier talking about the inventory levels and, and offering the discounts and, um, and recognizing that in their, in their, you know, uh, quarterly or, or, you know, yearly, uh, reporting in that sales aren't living up to what they expect. Um, uh, you know, they have heavy inventories and they're having a hard time managing discounts or at least planning for discounts. So, It seems like what a lot of these what a lot of these retailers are doing, and I don't know if it's the right thing, but um, because we brought this up a few episodes ago is trying to figure out what what are they doing when they're pulling back like this? You know, are they they're closing stores for what end to what end? Is it just to get away from having a store? It's like, you know, hands in the air. We're done. We can't do the store thing anymore because we don't know. We don't know. (laughs) I, I don't know. We don't know what to do with our inventory or we're just, you know, we're playing the pricing game like you just said and it's killing us. So we're just going to sell online. And, you know, that's not the best idea either. Meaning just being purely online, if you maybe started as a brick and mortar or, you know, or if, um, part of your, your way of existing is that store experience. Yeah. I don't know if it's the best thing to do to, to just back away and, and put your hands in the air and, uh, try something else. That's not a store. Um, maybe that's why we're seeing so many technologies and you know, in-store experience type technologies come about, um, you know, whether it's these magic mirrors, whether it's a, you know, a virtual assistant when you walk in, whether it's an app on your phone so it can, you know, give you more information on what's in the store or, you know, taking profiling information from your online profile and somehow sending it to an associate or, you know, or if it's using data in a certain way to manage, um, to manage what goes on the floor in general. So it's, there's lots of things that are bubbling up over the past couple years And we've seen the NRF show and some of those shows like that reflect that, you know, some of it's gimmicky, some of it's not, but it seems like there is a general need for this. And maybe this is something that that retailers are considering. But it looks to me just by, you know, what we're seeing here. I mean, this is news about just so many stores across retail closing, just just closing, just shutting down. I really am curious to understand more. And I feel like we've said this for a few episodes in a row now is what are they doing? With this now, what are they doing with that um, that spend that they're not spending
1: anymore? Sure. Look, I I think part of it is they're trying to really stop the bleeding.
0: Yeah, that's what it seems like. It's it seems kind of aggressive and almost uh, like a twitch reaction.
1: Exactly. I mean, look again. It goes back to this whole thing about the CEOs being handcuffed. If they're beholden to their investors and have to deliver quarterly results given a target that's been predefined by uh, their management teams and given to their investors and given to the public, uh, public companies, then the problem becomes if you can't deliver, what do you do? Well, you have to cut costs. The only way to cut costs are to close stores, uh, which means that if you think of your two biggest things on your statements, it would be your inventory and expenses, right? How do you lower expenses? Close stores where your leases are running up. Uh, it's usually a 10-year lease. That would be the first place to start surgically removing uh, some of this, um, let's say, some of the sickness, if you will, Right. And, and getting back, restoring yourself back to health. What does this also do? It reduces your need to have that inventory. So if essentially, any negative starts to be diminished by not spending on inventory that's not productive. Right. Which, so it's kind so, of
0: like it's almost hitting the reset button in a way for some it's not yes. running away hands in the air we're just going to be online but it is backing off for a while resetting finishing the rebrand relaunch whatever it is and then entering again you know coming exactly. back whether it's fewer stores um a different store layout store experience or just uh you know maybe taking advantage of a of a concept store a concept idea they had a few years ago and actually executing on it
1: exactly it's kind of like having uh right now they're they're having a, a flu. During the, right. it's like having oh, a flu. Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a hell of a flu. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, just just to kind of shed some light on this, and and not be all um, negative. Nanny is that even a thing? I don't know. But it, not not to be that way. You know, we don't want to make this all doom and gloom because it's not. And um, we should we should reflect. We should reflect maybe a little bit more on on who's doing it right and who's having successes. So. Uh, there is a little bit of light here and there is a little bit of uh, like we said in the in the topics and we're in topic topic number three um, growth amid the apocalypse. And this this topic is purely about Forever 21. So do you want to just uh, take us through Forever 21, Jose? Because, I mean, it's been around for a long time. I remember it from back in the day in 30 years or so they've been around. I mean, yeah, 84, I think you mentioned they've been they were founded and they've been through a lot. They've been through multiple generations and now they're at a point where they're actually, they're doing, I mean, they've been doing well, but they're, they're making it through all of this. And why is that?
1: Yeah. Well, renewal, right? So I, I think, um, a lot of it is about innovating. And so we, we, we went over the three major ways of earlier in this episode of how, how to grow, right? You grow organically, which is the first one. Second acquisition, third is international expansion. So if, um, if it's organic, another way of uh, growing organically is to create a different division that appeals to a different uh, customer or for your changed customer, if you will. So, Forever uh, Twenty One has eight hundred and fifty store, eight hundred and fifteen stores in fifty-seven countries, and so they're a retailer of women's and men's and kids' clothing and accessories, and they're usually they're, they're known as a fashion retailer right <laughs> and so they b- bring in merchandise daily that that's their model that that's forever 21 however uh, as we know they, they've been having you know like everyone else no one's um, impervious to, to what's going on in this retail apocalypse they've announced um, that they're opening the first three f21 red stores this month April in Key markets across the U.S., uh, San Antonio, Texas, New York, Chicago, and they expect to have 70 of these stores by year end. So, so what's the
0: difference of these uh, when you compare them to their their standard 815 stores? Uh, what's the unique thing about these these red stores? Is just a brand difference, or are they actually are they doing something different to warrant this type of attention?
1: So, with their, it's a new concept store for them, right? So right. they they want a deeper inventory, carry deeper inventories, of staple product, right? Uh, of fat. so essentially with translation, a lot more of the trendy product, uh, but is also somewhat basic. So they call it trend-led staples. So essentially, right. a staple is your basics. So it's more of a basic store with deep inventory. Uh, is there any
0: price angle to this? Is this like your, are, are they offering these at a, I guess it, it, with the with the F-21 Red, is is there any type of a markdown discounting type angle to this or is it different?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So for example, prices, let's talk about their prices. So entry level price points. Yes. So it would be lower prices. Uh, so for example, $7.90 for denim or $5.90 for a tank top, $3.90 for a t-shirt, or $1.90 for a camisole. So it's really, like, inexpensive. Hmm. So with those retail prices, uh, or starting with those retail prices, I'm not sure how much more you can discount from (laughs) $1.90. I mean, if you think about
0: it. I I don't even understand how they're doing that, but what is how is this offsetting, I guess what is this doing to their standard store set? Like is it is so, is this a risky move for them? is the question? Is it something uh, they're trying to do that's different that may not necessarily succeed or is this their their uh, their savior in
1: a way? Do you think? let's take a step back. Let's take mm-hmm. a step back. So to answer your question, that's a really good question. So look, if they're mostly if forever twenty one's a fashion driven company, right? things that change seasonally uh, daily, literally, uh, what they're trying to do is mitigate that risk by putting in low-priced basics into the mix as a separate division in order to minimize risk. Mm-hmm. For any fashion business, if you look at any type of fashion business, h- how do you make this work? Well, the, the economics are simple. Generally, a lot of your business—well, not a lot, but let, let's say twenty to thirty percent, okay—of your business should be staple product. Could be less. Right. Depends on margins and many other factors. But just let's just say, say, for argument's sake, it's your basic, it's your staples, it's your basic white shirts, it's your uh, underwear, it's your things that people need. Right. It's kind of like the milk and eggs and bread in a supermarket. And then the rest of your mix could be fashion. And that's where you take your risks. Right. And that's where you bet and your bets go right and they go wrong. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing is they're mitigating minimizing that risk by not making bets and by not really trying to do anything more than sell a lot of the safe merchandise. Got it.
0: Diversifying in a way, right? Spreading out the risk and a uh, little bit exactly. less, less less risk on a, on a certain you know line or uh, they're not committing too much, it seems like.
1: Exactly. <clears throat> and, and the good thing is that they're not killing their core business, which mm-hmm. is fashion, right? So that way the price points don't kill them. And having the same type of uh, that strategy within a Forever 21 brand is not killing them. So you create something different and distinct. F21 Red, right? This is the place where you're going to come get your staple merchandise at low prices. That's, I think that's the play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it must be working if they launched, what, two years ago, three years ago, three years ago. um, And they're ramping up the stores, so... That could be something. It's interesting watching these happen because it, it's almost like living and breathing case studies to see if these concepts are working for them. And you see a lot of concept stores and business models take shape from new new and existing retailers. And this one is, uh, it, it's def- it's definitely a little bit different, you know, taking an, an, older, an older style of, of classic fashion retailing and, and turning it on its head a little bit and yeah. diversifying. And it could be good for them. You know, it could help yeah. them compete in an area they weren't before, which is the idea.
1: For sure. And I mean, look, we, we didn't say this in the the prior segment, but mm-hmm. look, H&M is trying something similar, right? They're, they're opening up its first um, Arket outlet in London, right? So Arket is another brand that they're creating as an offshoot of H&M, right, to try to mitigate this issue that they're having with inventory in their basic uh, H&M core, uh, let's say, retail brand. Uh, So Arcade is going to be home furnishings, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not even apparel. uh, And it's slightly above the H&M brand price points, right? Then in addition to this, what else have they done? Uh, They have uh, another brand for men called Other Stories, right? Small, but experimental. Uh, And they have this other brand uh, called COS, C-O-S, and that's a higher end of H&M. So I think they're trying all these experiments, um, a, a lot of times when we talk, we say experiments are for tech companies. But actually, the interesting thing is if you think about uh, any any retailer that has been successful, you have to do a lot of these experiments in order to see what flies and what doesn't fly. And especially in a business, you have to be creative.
0: Yeah, you do. And they they can be they can be creative, but it's costly. <laughs> right.
1: It's kind of playing
0: around is costly. However, it's it's, it's a cost of doing business for them.
1: Yeah, but I mean, look, you don't go crazy. It's like anything, uh, like in buying, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to experiment with a new style that you're not really sure of, what you might want to do sometimes or what you do is, let's say I'm going to make this up, but it's pretty true to life. But I'm going to make up a retailer on the fly. Retailer ABC has 50 stores across the Northeast. That's where they have their bread and butter. Let's say that I were a shoe buyer and there's this new style that just came in which I'm not 100% convinced uh, about. So what I would do would be, okay, look, let, let, let's test a new vendor uh, with this style because I I, I I actually convinced myself that I believe in it, uh, but I want to test it out in a business uh, scenario. So what I would do is I'd test it in 10 stores, right? Which is what you, you would do. And then iterate and see where it fits. And I think it's no different with the businesses. You kind of have one or two uh, distinct businesses uh, like H&M, uh, different brands, or what Forever 21 is doing. And I think that's how these retailers are going to win the game.
0: Well, that is that. That is a show. And, uh, Jose, thank you. And everyone, thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, any kind of feedback, uh, keep doing what you've been doing. Email us at brickdatacast@gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Brick Datacast. You can also get us on iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher and anywhere else you consume your favorite podcasts. So until next time, thanks everybody. Thanks.